podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. I am your host, Jamie Coburn, and joining me is Mark Jardin. All right. And Sam Smith. Howdy. Uh, we're missing two people. Mark, where are they? Yeah, I've actually just had a, a check-in from them both. They're saying that things are, are going well. They're still chained to the walls at Edinburgh Castle, and they, they won't be letting themselves off until Nicola Sturgeon shows up with a copy of the Magna Carta and agrees <laughs> to bring back Junior Marais. God, Craig's family's not going to like that one. But uh, <laughs> well, well, we need to start with the big, big news. You may have seen it already on Twitter. Ismail Concalves is a free agent again. Is it time for him to come home? <clears throat> uh, I probably see his kid that's allegedly in Paisley. So <laughs> it probably is actually time for him to come home and see it. But I know I had, just for the nostalgia factor, I'd take him back in a heartbeat. It's a hero for what he'd done back in. 2013 and on top of that he actually was a good player so you've got to imagine there was like five or six Wayne's born in January 2014 that had been conceived in the Vienna's toilets <laughs> if you believe if you believe the stories of them I would um, I would absolutely take him back it's six years too late get him back get him started yeah we need to make like, him manager repopulate and get that Paisley gene pool football skills up again more Smyser members <laughs> bring him home bring him home uh, but really what we should talk about uh, we didn't actually do a podcast just because of we were all busy uh, and we didn't really want to talk about it but unfortunately we're going to have to talk about it now uh, the defeat to Hearts um, I wasn't there um, Mark wasn't there but I was drunk in a field I was I was able with Theresa May was that a hay field? I was running through running through a field to meet hey, that's exactly what I was doing <laughs> Um, Sam, you are Mr. Ballots and you got your, your hat-trick and got to go much to the dismay of other other people Scum How was it? Uh, uh, it was pretty grim to be honest with never really laid a glove on Hearts to be honest and that's not really a compliment to how good Hearts were I didn't think Hearts were particularly good against Celtic and I'm sure I said that uh, on the podcast we didn't lean up to the Hearts game I didn't think Hearts were a good team. I don't think there's much between them uh, on paper, but uh, we just never get started in the constant long balls to... It, was, it wasn't even Curtis Mayne we were hitting the long balls to, and we've done it against Livingston Saturday, and we'll touch on it later. We were kept hitting long balls to Brophy, which doesn't work. You know, Brophy's five foot eight, I think, and likes the ball around his feet, and he was up against three giants. I think Suter won near enough every header, never really looked as if he broke sweat either playing against us never caused Hearts any problems maybe up until the 60th 70th minute I think Maine had a shot in the first half but that's about the only one I, I can remember up until then mm-hmm. It stings even more that it was Andy Halliday that scored as well took his, his goal well but he should be getting two-footed before he's, he's ever got the opportunity to try and put one in the top bin I'm, I'm just not having us being a platform for him to look like a baller I'm not having it at all I heard um, uh, this is for a grapevine I didn't know there was other Scottish football podcasts available I just thought Misery Hunters was the one and only but um, a pod- podcast called Open Goal um, 
that apparently was quite, he was quite surprised. Nah, I don't need to check it out. It's shite. Um, uh, Kevin Kyle was on it. Uh, apart <laughs> uh, and so was Andy Hardy. But apparently, he was a bit surprised at, about the animosity he got from the St. Madden fans. He gets animosity at every ground in Scotland because he's a dick. <laughs> is he also not a hun from Renfrew? Like, why, is, why are you not going to get Renfrew? the shit in? No, is he not from yeah. Barhead? I thought he was from Barhead. No, Renfrew. I'm sure he went to Trinity. I must be thinking of another. Aye. Trinity? Aye, wouldn't he? Andy Andy Halliday wouldn't have went to Trinity. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would they explain a lot? No. Um, We can can touch on the goals. Well, Sam, you'll need to touch on the goals that we conceded. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The first goal was pretty poor. I think it came for us again, knocking a long ball. I'm sure Suter played it forward and Boyce ended up on the edge of the 18 yard box with so much space and time just to, I think he took it past Fraser, Fraser kind of hesitated to go and he laid it back into Halliday to be fair as Mark said it's hard to give him credit for it but it was a great finish mm-hmm. uh, I think when I seen it at first it looked as if he scuffed it but he, he knew fight well what he was doing came back to him, rolled it straight into the top corner I've seen a couple of people saying they thought Anik could have done better, I think Anik really could have done anything, I think any goalkeeper saving that is right into the Top yeah. corner. Uh, Halliday's got time to to float mm-hmm. it. Um, to, it's, it's always going to be a hard one to to reach. And the, the frustrating thing there is, if, if you're going to persist with a system and you've got three at the back, and and what you're doing is stacking up numbers to to stop when you're playing against teams that've got guys like Boyce and, and whoever else to like to leave a man free in the box with that amount of time to be able to pick something out is is kind of unforgivable. To be honest, it's if. It, you know, there's all the frustration about putting all these technically able players on the pitch and then playing long ball stuff. Just as just as um, as miserable as that is stacking up the back with good defenders on their right sides and their most comfortable positions and playing tight wide of that and mm-hmm. and having what is quite a conservative approach and still letting someone get that amount of space at the at the back. It's it's a bit of a nonsense to be honest. Mm. Uh, his second goal came for the same thing as well. We were came to giving Boyce way too much time and I remember turning around and just said my pal just I think it was when he took the first turn took it past McGrath and just knew as soon as before he even put his foot in the ball that it was going in the back of the end we gave him so much time just to pick a spot and I think that's the most frustrating part I think the two goals actually came from Fraser hesitating to tackle a wee bit but it's hard to be critically a guy who was a giant for his last season mm-hmm. and then uh, we did manage to get back in into it for for just a moment. Did um obviously we weren't at the game, but Sam, you obviously were. Uh, did it look like we had a chance to maybe go on and score another, or even just get a wee bit back into the game? Did the game kind of lift up for us, or was it just like a smash and grab goal? And then obviously, uh, what happened next? No, to be honest, for the wee spell before the goal, we did put Hearts under a bit of pressure. And the goal came was a great ball for Tanzan. Big Joe does what Big Joe does best when he gets in these sort of areas and puts it at the back of the net. To be honest, from that, you're thinking, I think it was five minutes to go, and you do think to yourself, with Dennis on the pitch, you might get another wee half chance and you would trust him to put it away. But then, aye, as you say, moment of madness. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that moment of madness now. <laughs> we've, we've all kind of seen the highlights, but um, you were pretty vocal about it on Twitter, Sam. Uh, care to comment? <laughs> uh, I've learned after on reflection that I'm now 
after the day Curtis Main and uh, <laughs> Dunn signed and uh, obviously Dennis and uh, I've learned that I'm now no longer going to tweet straight away as soon as events happen and actually going to give myself a day or two to think about it. <laughs> to be honest, uh, nothing really changed much in my opinion on it. I think if you're a grown man at the age of Dennis was Dennis 31, yeah. I think it's it was beyond stupid and it's obviously too early to see if we could have maybe got a point and it would cost us saying finishing the top six at the end of the season but it was really stupid for a guy who was allegedly frustrated at not getting in the team according to Goodwin uh, he's hardly done himself any favours getting banned for three games is it for violent conduct yeah I'm, uh, so competitions he's, could have he's just so he's just so daft mm. like I think I can understand like emotions running high at the at the time like I, I can understand why yourself Sam and and others would have come like out swinging about that kind of thing, and, and would have been as as kind of definitive about it. But obviously, like emotions kind of calmed down after that. What I don't understand is the the kind of defence of it. There's been quite a mm-hmm. quite a, a fair amount on on Twitter and, and Facebook, and, and even people that I've spoken to that have said, "Oh, you know, hearing he kind of or hearing he, he steps in front of them, and you know, it's he kind of makes sure that there's going to be contact, and it's one of those things. Like, I, honestly, like I'm by no means like." a soft touch and all that kind of stuff but it's, it's literally inexcusable mm-hmm. if you're going to run into him run into him and then argue about it and maybe get a yellow card he's running into him and he throws his elbow up and hits him yeah. those, you just, that's, you that's run, Joey Barton stuff you run into him you hold up you fall down and go what the fuck and you get the free kick that's yeah. that's what you should do um, that's it's just selfish it's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous you're you're getting paid you're getting paid you know I'm not, I'm not one of the you know the fucking give uh, soldiers, footballers, wages crowd and all that pish but he's a guy that's getting paid comfortably several times the national average wage and everything that comes with it to go out and play football, he's on the pitch for minutes and he does something that daft, like fair enough in your own time if you want to go and elbow a bouncer outside Bamboo or something like battering Christian but in the fucking centre circle in a game that we're just getting back into it's going to have to do a fair amount to, to get himself kind of back in my estimations right. to be honest and I'm sure he doesn't care about that but I'm not one saying that he has to get sacked or anything like that but I'm no I'm not happy about that at all it's really really poor mm-hmm. he should have uh, to be honest I maybe wouldn't have been as angry if he'd done it to Andy Halliday which would have probably oh first choice made up for it like I, th- I think a lot of people I'd have, I would have probably defended if he had done it to Halliday but uh, I don't know what Radford said. I don't know if Harrings maybe said something to him. Uh, I think made a couple of corners and three kicks just as soon as Dennis came on. I don't know if they've maybe had a wee tussle, said something. Uh, or Harrings had a wee dig at him that nobody's seen, but that's inexcusable. A grown man, he shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we will move on to the, the Livingston game. Uh, a game that... I'm happy to <laughs> That uh, me and Sam were at. Uh, Mark very much loving up to his name of part-time fan was not. Um, <laughs> August's a very tough time of year for me. I, I get invited to things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a man of means has to make all these proper visits everywhere. A social butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the, the first chance I've got to see us this season and... Um, I get why there's a lot of people kind of worried that I've seen on Twitter um, about the style of football we've been playing. We were extremely poor, I thought, on the ball. Like, um, I can understand why, well, 
why the, the, the long ball tactics eventually come out because we really struggled to make passes throughout everywhere on the pitch, really. The defence was poor passing it to the midfield. The midfield were constantly giving the ball away. And if you're, you've got these two strikers so isolated up front that, and you're, you're getting frustrated that you keep losing the ball in the midfield, you are going to just try and bypass it and launch it up to them. It was really disappointing. And that's kind of where their goal uh, came from. Was it Ethan that gave the ball away? Yeah, McGrath. Oh, it was and McGrath. Ethan but was standing about right in the middle of the park. Eh? It was right. Uh, that was right. Because I remember, um, <laughs> I remember who was sitting next to me, uh, Tommy, saying that uh, McGrath looks really good. And then as soon as he said it, he gave the ball <laughs> away and Forrest scored. Uh, yeah. Uh, the fact that their goal came from just poor possessional play, it, like it, it was really just frustrating. Because when you look at that team on paper, we've seen what the core of that team can do, and we've seen with the additions that really should have improved us. Yeah, we we may be lacking a bit of pace, but we should be able to pass the ball to just another member of our team without losing it. Which is it's wild that Richard Tate's in there to play wing back, and I know he needs to cover a lot of ground, but it's wild that that happens. And he's mm-hmm. like sixty yards from. From Forest when Forest gets the ball, yeah, and he's so far up, blowing a, yeah, which is it's fine. Like you know, you, you need him to do a bit of both. That's why he's a wing back and not a right back. Like that's fair enough. But to get caught out like that, it just shows you the the margins. And and as you're saying there about fanning about with the ball in the middle, if that's how exposed you're going to be, if you lose the ball, you know, like twenty yards into the opponent's half, then you need to be a bit more conservative and keep the ball for a bit longer. Mm-hmm. I think Saturday highlighted it, especially the areas of the game like that when we're fanning about with the ball too much in midfield, too many slight passes. It highlights how much you need a guy like Pibber and, and obviously we've all been really impressed with Pibber uh, in the games that we've seen him play in the League Cup games. He played well at Dundee, he was good against Hearts and he was a massive miss and I think Ethan's way too inexperienced to be playing in a role like that on his own. He's not strong enough in the tackle. Now, don't get me wrong, I think he's a talented player but I just, I think if he's having to do the roller, get in and winning the ball back himself, he's not really suited to that. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to trying to shoehorn guys like Kelty and McGrath, they're very similar players. It just doesn't work. Yeah, you kind stop of saw... Thumb. Sorry, Sorry. Sorry. No, on you go. No, I was just going to say, stop me if I'm, I'm speaking out of turn, but with Ethan in that kind of position, he, he just doesn't look that arsed. Mm-hmm. He's, and I, I like him as a player, and in terms of ability, I think he's excellent. I think he probably needs someone like an Alan Power beside him to to be arsed about all that kind of stuff. Because if you're relying on him to track back or cover ground or retain any kind of discipline shape in the midfield, I think you're going to be you're going to be disappointed. And I think we're going to get caught open like we were um, against Levy based on on what I've seen. I just don't think that's his game. And I, I think if, if people are interested in him, I think you could you could probably play in any league down south and get a bit more a bit more time on the ball and, and not have the same kind of expectation and having to run yourself into the ground and probably look probably be allowed to show how technically capable he is but it's, it's maybe a cliche it's maybe not but Scottish games top flight games up here are games against top flight opposition you're just going to get harried you, you need to be you need to be bothered you need to be running everything into the ground and, and properly running yourself into the ground to get stuff and I, I don't know the last time I saw Ethan and felt that at all I think he's just doesn't seem that bothered uh, what you mentioned Sam about uh, Kilty and like shoehorning Kilty in when, with playing him with McGrath 
like we kind of saw that when Kilty eventually did come off, that it really opened McGrath to to go up the field, and um, eventually led to our equaliser. Aye, I don't, I don't want that sound as if it's like a slight on Kilty. I oh, think no, Kilty's no. a bad player. Yeah. I don't, like, I think we're all in agreement. We were all buzzing when we said Kilty. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm still excited. I'm glad we've got him in the squad. He's a really good player, and he will get a chance to play through the middle when McGrath eventually goes, but. At the moment, I just don't think there's a place for the two of them in the same team. If there is a place for the two of them in the same team, it's probably going to be if he's further forward than McGrath. Looks sort of the shape we've done with maybe at Celtic. At Celtic Park, when we had Kyle McAllister playing just off a, I think it was McAllister and Dennis. Yeah. McAllister and Dennis yeah. were up top. A wee sort of role at that would probably suit Kyle to a T. But I just having the two of them in the same team, the two of them do the same thing. They run into the same areas. The only difference is one's right-footed and one's left-footed. Maybe just losing or lacking a wee bit of balance that you got from mm-hmm. from Doyle Hayes being in the in the team. Um, and I, I, whether it's Doyle Hayes you keep or, or not, I think there is a gap there for someone to get the best out of get the best out of McGrath, but also potentially get the best out of Power and Erehorn and Kilty or mm-hmm. or whoever else. Just a, I think I was reading them. Um, Andrew Christie's blog um, was it yesterday that came out as well and he was talking about we can kind of see a, a Doyle Hayes shaped hole just now in, in the midfield trying to combine Kilty and McGrath and I think it's a I think it's a fair point I, I, I agree totally with what you're saying Sam individually I, 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 I would hope that they're both involved and I want them both on the side but pragmatically you need to maybe ask the question about how that fits in and if you're going to have two strikers and and everything else, then I don't know if it necessarily works. You maybe need just a bit more grit in the in the midfield than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think well, we do need to mention the fact that um, old Chili D had to go off with an injury. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. Jim said that it's uh, nothing too serious. But Conor McCarthy coming back on um, looked properly up for it. Um, you, you did, we did see a little bit of an improvement in the defence, and um, when he came on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping now he's kind of got a chance to to play for his um, position, especially with Celtic coming up. Like I, I think I'm a wee bit more confident with him in the team than I, I over Charles Dunn. And that I do like Dunn. I think he's a good player. Um, ho- hopefully this injury isn't too serious and it's not kind of sign of more things to come the way his career's previously panned out so far. Did he play on the the left? Did he come in for Dunn, or did was there a bit of a shuffle? No, no he came in on the left. Mm-hmm. Come on the left and done well. So you seen it when he came on though. I think because uh, obviously they used to put last season. Shaughnessy would get to the left and we played the three. And I think Shaughnessy shouted over to Jim. You seen him sort of signal as if he was the one that was to move over. But McCarthy went straight into the left slot. He was good. He was really good at bringing the ball forward. Mm-hmm. I, I like Dunn. I like that Dunn's got a, a good range of pass. They can hit the, a really good ball across the field, but. I think McCarthy's just a lot more composed. He'll bring the ball into midfield. He'll drag us out, and he's, to be honest, he's a better footballer than Dunn. To be quite simple, and we're a better team with a minute. But I do get why Dunn plays. Obviously, it's good to have the balance of my left footer in the left hand side of the defence too. Wonder if McCarthy back in the eleven might mean that there is a bit more patience in terms of holding on to the ball for a little bit longer and carrying it. Mm-hmm. up to the halfway line and, and playing shorter passes instead of assuming that the first pass has to be mm-hmm. shelled. And then we we'll, we can talk about 
other things, but we'll, we'll talk about the goal that we eventually did score. Um, <laughs> best goal of the season. That's goal of the season. That first touch. I mean, that's. <laughs> I don't know if you saw uh, Haaland's uh, disallowed goal from the. You know, where he oh, brings yeah. it down from the sky off the 60 yards. I mean, it was fairly similar from, <laughs> from Connor there. I was. I actually thought it was a pass because I thought it was Shaughnessy that scored. I actually thought McCarthy had passed it across the goal to Shaughnessy. I didn't realise that was a first touch, but hey, they all count. Yeah, he opens up his right leg to take the touch, and it hits his left knee. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute peach. As you said, they all count, and it um, basically gave us extra time. And uh, the and the whole ninety minutes, uh, just some player like the positives I want to bring out is I thought. Again, and people probably roll their eyes when I say this. Shaughnessy had a great game. I think, in I think he's proven to a lot of folk how much of a leader he actually is. Even, not even like organising the defence. See set pieces coming in, free kicks. He's telling uh, McGrath where to hit the ball, who to stand where, um, and I, and I, yeah, it was just a really pleasing performance from him. And another player I'd like to mention, and he was getting a bit of stick, but Curtis Main, I'm really impressed with Curtis Main. I know, obviously, we weren't too fruitful in front of goal uh, with Brophy and Main, um, but his range of movement, how he can trap the ball, I was actually really impressed with him. And um, I'm really pleased that the Shrewsbury fans also told us that he runs like Robocop, because when you think about that when he runs, it gives you a wee bit of entertainment in an otherwise pretty poor match. <laughs> And to see Google, what he looks like with hair. He kind of looks like a special Colin Hendry as well. <laughs> Curtis Main, Middlesbrough. There you go. That's your entertainment. Yeah, there you go. So if you're if you're ever bored at Samurn game, uh, watch uh, Curtis Main run and then Google him at Middlesbrough. Hours of fun. Hours, yeah, that's your, that's your evening sorted. <laughs> uh, Main's a player. I think he does get a a surreal amount of stick off of some people but I think there's a lot of fans that do need to realise a lot of modern day strikers are going to score goals Goodwin said that when he came in he said he wasn't expecting them to come in and score 20, 10, 20 goals a season he was there to help everybody else and he's done that so far I think the, I think the rest of his teammates need to kind of pull their finger a bit because he does lay on a lot of these chances and to he had the ball in the back of the net it was Unlucky that VJ was just maybe a yard or two offside, or it would have been a good goal for him to take on. It would have been three in the League Cup. So that move was actually from from start to finish was actually quite good to to see as well as a kind of accurate pass up from Fraser, I think, for mm-hmm. and, and kind of stretches the game really quickly. And as you say, if, if Henderson's standing a yard or or two further forward, then you're talking about that goal being really well worked and no one's moaning. Mm-hmm. But hey ho. Did um did Danny get injured as well before the, the end? Was there, he was. Was that an extra thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know if he's out or anything like that, but um he was um holding his was hold, I don't know what he was holding. He's drawing. It was every time he went to kick the ball, it looked as if he would like pull up. But like, hopefully he's fine. Even at the fairs, never get that six foot eleven. Or Minsky. Big or Minsky guy. So. Penalty saving shagger that he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, talking of penalties, um, we can kind of skip over the extra time and just go kind of straight to penalties. I don't get why McGrath never took the first penalty. 
I think, like, with your penalty taker, surely he has to be the first one. And he, you know, like, he's got, like, a 99% chance he's going to score that. I thought that would have set a better precedent uh, with him stepping up first, maybe calming a bit of nerves. Because who, who was it Aye. that did step up first and missed? Main. Main, Main. Main had the first and a shite penalty. It was a shite penalty. Not the worst penalty. We'll, we'll go on to that, but... <laughs> <laughs> a shite penalty nonetheless um, who was it that, was it Holt that hit that one at Livingston no that was glorious uh, penalty I've never heard just an outburst of laughter I thought that was when we had won it when he hit that penalty and I wonder yeah. what that feeling is like if you miss a penalty and you hear a collective groan but when you miss a penalty that bad that you hear a collective laughter <laughs> it must not do great for the confidence Simeon Jackson-esque. Oh, it was, that was maybe just as bad because he didn't be... I think he took two or three starters before he went to hit it. Now, you do think to yourself, he's going to rocket it. Mm-hmm. Like Big Oberlie took a couple of starters and he smacked it right into the top corner. But, I mean, like that was unbelievably bad. And Anik read it the whole way through and knew what he was doing. And mm-hmm. it just made him look like a tip. Mm-hmm. If that had been... One of the ones that we missed. If that had been Maine or or Kyle or, or Cammy, then that's that's getting hounded for the rest of the season. You're you're, you're struggling to come back from it. Uh, and obviously, it was Kyle's penalty that lost. Is it? Has anyone got a freeze frame to see if his eyes were open? Sure. No, but if you watch the angle from behind the goal, the Livy keepers near enough on the six yard line before. Uh, oh, really? McAllister goes to take it. Which again, it kind of defeats the purpose of having the guy on the. I think is it the f- one of the linesmen goes on the touchline. Kind of defeats the purpose of having mm-hmm. them there. But if you do watch it back, he was well off his line. He, took, he was he actually kind of took a wee mini run. Smart though, if you know you're going to get away, but you may as well do it. And if Anik had done the same, and we weren't going to be complaining, so mm-hmm. it was just a weak penalty, wasn't it? Even uh, even against that, you're just trundling it along the along the ground a metre or more in from the post you're, you're just asking for that to be to be picked up pretty I, I thought at least with Cammy, you know you, you talk about it being good height for a goalkeeper and stuff at least he's got a bit behind it and he's he's tried to, mm-hmm. to find the side netting with that and it's, it's a good you know say that stretching from is it Strychek um, Strychek or something it's a decent save whereas with Kyle you're just it's the same as in another way, similar to Dennis against Hearts. You're like if if you're sitting on if you're sitting getting splinters and moaning about it, then mm-hmm. take your opportunity and, and do something. Don't. And do you mean I know it's I know it's not easy to score a penalty, but run up and belt it and at least try and do something. Don't mm-hmm. don't try and play the clever game when when there's so much at stake for it. But yeah, end of, long story short, we're out the cup. Uh, Twice by Libby in the space of mm-hmm. nine months, seven months. Extremely disappointing, especially after Goodwin saying that he wanted us to get back at Hamden uh, because we missed out twice last season. Mm. Uh, means we're just going to have to win the Scottish Cup, which is the one we want to win mm. anyway because that gets us into Europe. Not that we're, Aye. I know we're, we've had a bad start in the league and we're we're going to finish fourth anyway, but it'd be nice to win the Scottish Cup and get a bit of silverware for that as well. What a year has Bill is having! All that growth on social media all those followers he's adding I've heard there's a certain themed Hezbollah well Twitter account that's doing the rounds you know I believe so, apparently it's not my man even though 
Um, I heard there was. Strong rumours suggest it is, but I don't know. He's saying it's not. It's the last thing on the Libby game is David Martindale's denim navy jumper and Gucci trainer combo is up there with my favourite attire of a manager in Scottish football. In football, actually, in general. He just dresses like a guy who's done eight years in jail for punting gear. We look like we're about to be signing uh, Matty Kennedy. I think that will bring a little bit more balance to the team. We kind of see, like, our tactic towards the end of last season, it's quite funny because we kind of started last season the same way we started this season where it was a bit poor and then we managed to bring in, like, Dylan Connolly. Things kind of changed a wee bit. We started playing out in the wings a wee bit more, um, which we've not really been doing um, this season. Hopefully, Matty Kennedy can start maybe bringing that in. He's got the pace to beat any sort of defender outside the, the top two in the league. Uh, he's, I don't get the the hate against him. Like, people saying that he's not had good games against us because I, I can definitely think of a couple that he did. Um, and I think it's uh, is a good addition to the squad. For all the complaints about three at the back, I don't necessarily know that we've got the bodies just now to play four at the back and to have... I think you're you're relying on someone to go out wide that doesn't want to. You know, you're, mm-hmm. I don't think Kilty's best games for Kelly, wherever, wherever wide left McGrath's a you know, kind of empty shirt. You're you're not just he's not just poor out wide. Yet you're missing how good he is in the middle. If you're you're shutting him out there, McAllister's not a winger, and I don't think he's ever going to hold down a, a regular shirt. And I think the early season's already shown that it might just be a season too early to rely on on Henderson for for this match is, is the kind of number one winger in the squad so I can understand the frustration but I think we are at least one signing away from being able to play that and having you know a kind of top flight strength a living out there to, to find that shape so I think Kennedy definitely regardless of who he is and what his form's been like he brings a bit more balance um, certainly to the squad and I think if you get the Kennedy that you know that showed so much potential before and, and showed and flashes it maybe more so um St Johnston than, than Aberdeen more recently then I, I think he's an absolutely capable player for our, our level and what we're trying to be I, I don't think he's a a poor signing he, he doesn't get it up to St Johnston fans on pie and bovo as much as I would I would have liked from some of the other names that were touted about but at the same time I'll, I'll take it I'm chuffed for it I think he's good pacey direct player uh, he's kind of bit of a yeah, bad spell at Aberdeen but to be honest who did over the past year no one really particularly done well I think Lewis Ferguson's the one that's got to sell any sort of credit for the way he's played at Aberdeen over the last wee bit so it's hard to judge him on that considering Derek McInnes was doing the exact same as Goodman's doing just now and playing long ball not really plenty of guys like that strength so and hopefully it kind of shows up our head in the right direction and when they start keeping the ball on the ground getting footballers like McGrath Kilty you know Pibber McPherson players like that get them more involved on the feet rather than lumping long balls up to Robocop mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hopefully he's in before the Celtic game because this could be really interesting I think this is going to go either two ways uh, it's going to be an absolute mauling and Kyogo Furuhashi is going to just rip us apart until Joe Shaughnessy snaps his knee that'd be very pleasant to see or it's going to be kind of like last season where we were 
in a bad spell. We put out a mad formation where everyone was like, "What the fuck are we playing Celtic like this?" And then we went on to beat them. I think I, th- I think that is a very good possibility of happening as well. It's going to be one of these games where we've not done well against teams that we should beat, and then we'll go up and turn up against Celtic and get away with like a point or even three. Aye, they're there to be got at. You know, they're for as good as they are going forward, and as terrifying as they fought a Kyogo, Forest, Rogic, and all that all playing, they're very, very vulnerable at the back. Mm-hmm. You know, teams are, I think, I'm sure it was Mark who'd said it before. There might not be Mark, might be wrong, but uh, there's going to be a lot of games. Celtic are going to score a lot of goals, but they're going to concede just the same amount because they've got guys mm-hmm. like Starfield, Welsh, Taylor, Ralph. Ralston, like the. They're not, they're not great defenders. And Joe Hart has looked a wee bit shaky as well. They do try and get him to play out his feet instead of be got it. If you've got people that if you've set up correctly, you've got pacey players and intercept the ball when he plays slack passes. And aye, it's, we could easily go there and get beat six or seven nil. But you could also go there and nick a draw because they're vulnerable at the back. And if you pack the box, you might frustrate them a wee bit. I think previously you're looking at games particularly um, going away to play Celtic and you're thinking if we can just keep it tight maybe get a goal you know kind of smash and grab take them one now that's what's there whereas I just think the approach just now probably has to be a bit different it probably has to be how many goals can we can we score here if, if we go for it because Celtic are if you look at their, their game on Saturday and the chances they had they're going to get going to have a lot of possession they're going to have 20 odd shots you would expect just by by virtue of, of the way they're, they're playing just now. So you're just trying to soak up as much of that as as you can. Hope Anik has a good game and, you know, they probably will score one or two. And it's a question of how many times you can pick them off, the way you know, Sam was saying with, with Starfelt and Ralston and, and Taylor. That, that's still, regardless of how well they're playing with the ball just now, that's still not a back four that I would be trusting with with much at all. That's a, you know, that's, that's a top six defence, not a not a top two or a league winning defence in, in my opinion for sure I think if you look at the goal that was it um, Dennis's goal that get, kind of broken down and it showed that you know we'd been watching the way Celtic tried to to play out and we pushed them a certain way and created the gap and then and then took advantage of it surely you're watching um, Jablonets and and Hearts and whoever else doing that to Celtic over the last the last couple of weeks and and basically treating it almost like I don't know like American football where you're just going to take their position for however long and then you've almost got like set plays that you're going to try and do to, to pull guys out of space and they're, they're definitely there to be to be bullied a bit when you want to it's just a question of how many we can see to think mm-hmm. and uh, we will be back after this hello I'm Stephen Thompson and you're listening to the Misery Hunters podcast we are back and after uh, last time's um Controversy over the games, and yes, I have sort of noticed that Sam should not have won that. However, the decision's made, and it will still stand that Sam is the, the current winner. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, He's got an asterisk in the history books, just like all those Celtic titles. <laughs> uh, it's now back out of my hands. Mark is back, but he's not got a game. He's got more awful mm. opinions for us. So take it away, Mark. Yeah, I've learned. I've learned my lesson. I was already doubting my own abilities to stay on top of a game for the end of a, a podcast and having sat back and listened to last week's evidence, I think <laughs> the, the, the distance we keep between ourselves and our games is probably a good thing for at least a while longer. So, 
it is back to unpopular opinions. And uh, congratulations to everyone that made the cut this time for being absolutely moronic. Well done to, to all of them. <laughs> Connor <laughs> listeners, mor- morons, is that what's happening? I said moronic, I didn't say moron, but they are morons. <laughs> so the first one, at Ben Smith, 2004. Popescu wasn't as good as people made out. I ah, I'm with that 100%. I think that... I think it's... Oh, no, sorry, on you go. No, it's easy to, to be revisionist about it because he's been shite since he left. But there was there was definitely a point where you were looking at Popescu carrying it out from the back and thinking, how the hell have we managed to get a hold of, mm-hmm. hold of this guy? Um, he, he was a Europa League defender at, at one point anyway. But it looked like it. I, th- I think we had... We've had a bad time of centre backs. Uh, I know some people think Jack Beard was dealt a hard line, but I mean, he was pish. No offence, Mark. I know you you disagree with that. And I think if you ask, if you ask their fans about what happened at the weekend as well, they might agree with you. Um, however, I think we were just used to some very poor centre backs, and then we came. Like at the time when Popescu came in, like you're like he is a fantastic centre back. How did we get a hold of him? But the more you kind of think back and how our defence has moved on since then, uh, I think he's probably a bit mediocre. Not me, uh, mediocre is probably what I would say. And it, it, it just shone because we had some absolute stinkers before him. Aye, I, 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 even in that run, I never even thought he was really particularly the best defender on the team. I thought when Mackenzie came back and started that game against Dundee and he went on the run, he played nine games and we never lost one and he played. I think uh, it showed that Mackenzie was the one that maybe was holding it a wee bit together. But don't get me wrong, Pepescu had a few good games but I think towards the end, and especially the, I think it was both the first and second leg of the playoff final, he was horrific. Really, really, really bad. I think that year was just chaos. The more you like, look back to it, the the, the Kearney, the Kearney reign from start to finish was just an absolute roller coaster of tactics and inverted commas, just folk in positions being asked to to play football and magicians doing card tricks in the dressing room, like to come out of that looking good and looking as if you're a competent footballer with a bit of intelligence in your in your head. I think was was a bit of an achievement. So I I, I don't know. I'm. I simultaneously agree that if, if we were linked with him now that he's left Hearts, I don't think he would fit in and I wouldn't be that keen to, to get him back. But at the time, at the time, same as, as kind of Anton Ferdinand, maybe and maybe out of context as a you know, not a great defender and everything else. But at the time I would absolutely stand behind him having a, a good season. He was a, a big factor in us staying up for sure. Mm-hmm. Anton Ferdinand, what a man. Um yeah. I, I think sure. I think we agree with that, Ben. Uh, okay, maybe so maybe you're not two against one. Maybe you're not as much as a moron as we thought. Yeah, yeah. Or, not, not, not as what we thought. What Mark, Mark was. Thought. What Mark thought. Not to let you behind the curtain, Ben, but actually before the the podcast, everyone was talking about how much of an idiot you were. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> that's not true at all. Um, I'm just trying to get myself out of being the one that's getting getting attacked. Of. Uh, second up and making his second appearance in as many nope. unpopular opinion weeks as at Gadface with what is sure to be a very popular opinion. Gus McPherson wasn't only one of the best, but was probably the most important manager someone have had since the 80s. <sighs> Do you know There's some prize faces on the go here on the really annoying part is is that it probably 
isn't wrong. Oh. Like that he was one of the more important ones because he got us promoted, but he's just a fucking horrible wee wank. I agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm, I, if Ross was on this podcast as well, oof, oof. but uh, yeah, I think everybody knows. Like, I, I despise the man, and uh, I don't think he should have been allowed near our club afterwards. I think, yeah, he got us out that, like, out the funk of constantly finishing like fourth, fifth in the championship. He got us promoted with a decent. We had a really good squad then, uh, which he assembled. However, um, the football was terrible. He had. Like his own sort of personal hatred of the fans, and he and he, he showed that constantly that he did not care about the fans, their opinions, um, even like like a, a, he was just a dick. Aye, Andy had fuck a final against nine men. So. That's true. That's true as well. Um, that should be instant exclusion from the conversation about best or most important managers um, for. For my money, he's comfortably behind Danny Lennon in terms of I think, I for think, all the criticism, but like brought a cup actually back. The football, yeah, for all, whatever you think about Danny Lennon, the football under Lennon was great too. The best football I think Not I've ever seen us play. See, see mm-hmm. the start of that season when we, I think we, we drew 0 now against them and we missed that penalty. But I, I remember sitting back going, I can't believe how well we played in that match. I genuinely thought we were going to be like best of the rest that season. Um, no. Especially like, I think was it the first game against Celtic? We lost 2-1 and we finished the game with like 65% possession. When has that ever happened against either no, the old firm? Um, there was the game against Rangers at Ibrox, the one where Tom almost scored in the last minute and we mm-hmm. fucking pop them off the park like should have it was actually a tragedy how Jelovic managed to put them 1-0 up at the time because we battered them and that goal still you can go back and watch it and it gets better every time you watch it the fact that Elias Haddad and Craig Sampson started the move is probably one of the best team goals I've ever seen us score sums up how good we were at football that season Craig Sampson had a side footed pass to Elias Haddad they start that move that's how good it was I think you you look at obviously I'm not going to disagree with how important it was that Gus came in when he did and took over from who he did and, and got us promoted as a, a hell of an achievement and I wouldn't want anyone to, to put that down but he didn't keep us in the division by playing a football that was ever going to amount to anything but also the amount of times we were propped up just because there was a shitter team mm-hmm. in, no. the, in the division that went down or went into administration or, or whatever else like there was um there wasn't much to be said for it. It's telling that Danny Lennon came in and finished eighth twice, and they were both our highest league finishes. And mm-hmm. and however long, you know, Gus McPherson had a, a long a long run at it, and I would still say in half the amount of seasons, Danny Lennon was a more important name mm-hmm. in, in terms of of the history of the club for me. And that statue and, uh, will be outside that stadium. Hundred percent. The, the Education Island statue. No, the one in and his PE shirts. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm 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 not having it. I, I don't know if that's a clean sweep or not. But no, that is a clean sweep. I think. Oh, yeah. I'm not taking it. You're in the wrong place if you're wanting a nice chat about Gus person To be honest. <laughs> uh, third opinion at Black and White Pins. Graham Carey wasn't up to much. Great left foot, wasted possession too often. Frequently got us into bother getting caught on the ball. I can kind of. It's hard to. Uh- it's hard to disagree, hard to, actually. hard to disagree, but I still have it in my head that Graham Carey was unbelievable 
And I don't ever remember the bad games. I just remember the very good stuff he'd done. But we probably played him out of position. We played him as a left-back for too long when mm-hmm. it wasn't a coincidence that he ended up having his best spells in his career when he went to Ross County and Plymouth and played just in behind the striker. And it was magic for both of them. Is he still in Bulgaria or whatever? Yes, I Definitely a talented footballer. And I think, was it County and at Plymouth? Was it both where he played for... Derek Adams mm-hmm. as well like definitely knew how to to get a tune out of him in a way that I don't think we we ever did although I, I think as with anyone else that played that day been part of that coming in for Dummett at left back excuse me for the semi-final mm-hmm. against right. um, against Celtic and, and handling what was put in front of him as well then I think he, he probably deserves a bit more credit in the in the bank for that one it was a fine a fine performance under under a fair amount of pressure I, th- I think I agree with him and also disagree. Like, I can kind of see where he was coming from. Like, however, I remember when he left, I was absolutely gutted that he left. And and we've, we've seen, like, there's a few teams that he, that he, like, we've had where he would have slotted in perfectly. And, like, genuinely, like, I, I don't know how he's doing in Bulgaria, but would I possibly take him back if he's still the player he was a couple of years ago then? Yeah. Bring him and he's my home. <laughs> Get the band back together. What's Fancy up to? Uh. <laughs> I think uh, I don't even know where I, I wouldn't say I necessarily agree or disagree with it. I think it's maybe a bit harsh, but I, I know that I wasn't crushed whenever he um, whenever he he get moved on. I don't think I expected him to go on and do as well as he did and be as effective as he was playing further up. But I wasn't crushed. I would obviously take him back. I take it that seen what he was capable of. I take it that means we won't be expecting a Graham Carey pin anytime soon. Aye, definitely <laughs> not. Like Make a Gus McPherson pin though. Oh fuck off. <laughs> a wee baldy pin. Telling I'm you about the cinema. With a wee Andy Mellon pin sitting behind it. I don't I don't mind Andy Mellon. Like Andy Mellon, he's fair enough, but fuck, fuck Gus McPherson. Oh, so that's, not yeah, the, that's not the end of the podcast, by the way. Just no, no. Two more shite opinions to get through before we before we get to that uh, this one's for you Sam at CC99Jack Callum Waters wasn't that bad that's wrong oh, thank god <laughs> thank god Craig's not on the podcast today <laughs> uh, just uh, if you want an example of how bad Callum Waters is go watch the highlights of the free each game and watch Callum Waters as soon as Dylan Connolly comes on the pitch get ripped twice for two goals the highlights don't do it justice because they get done further more off of Dylan Connolly to the point where they had to get taken off with five minutes to go because he Tommy Wright felt bad for him. He, he was trying. absolutely shite. Other examples would be when we get leathered 5-2 off of Hearts and they put big Uchi on him and Uchi oh, I scudded him about Edinburgh, put him in a wee leash and walked him about. It was horrendous to watch. Especially when Uchi is seen as a massive flop for Hearts and he absolutely right, fucking schoolboyed him that day. Yeah, he was. Um, it was just such an obvious weak link, and I think that maybe made him look a little worse than he was in reality. I think he, you know, and I'm not going to say he was anything other than a bad signing. He's he's not a good left, but he's not a top flight left. But put it that way. But I think he was just such an obvious weak link. You knew that we were going to get bullied down that that wing every game that he played, regardless of how he actually was compared. Because every other manager just sussed that that was where that was where the the danger was. He wasn't good enough coming forward with the ball where you could excuse the stuff at the back 
and he was too too small, too slight, and his positioning wasn't great at the back either. So you're kind of looking at him thinking, what's what's Goodwin and everyone else seeing that I'm that I'm missing? He looked every inch an Alawa left back to me. Probably cheap. Yeah, that's true. he freed up probably a wage for probably. someone else on the pitch. That's probably what it was. I'm sure that was been. Well, if, if you're even. saying the reason we got um, Chebs was because of Callum Waters, then well, maybe maybe <laughs> maybe it wasn't all that bad actually. I wonder yeah. what is Big Chebs up to. I would rather have had Erohon back at left back than than Waters, and I'm I'm mm. sincere in that. Mm. And that's, I don't like Erohon at left back, but aye, that's that's a bold statement because that's a it's day two at left back is up there with some of the worst we've seen who would you who would you take out of Cal Waters or Greg Wilde Greg Wilde Oof. I think Greg Wilde <laughs> uh, yeah so I think I think we disagree with that statement yeah yeah I think that's maybe the most unpopular opinion we've had had so far <laughs> Well, uh, I don't know, that and, Gus McPherson one was still up there. That's still annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I can see your, your blood's still boiling a wee bit. You're still, <laughs> still a bit raging. Um, finally, at Ian Ham 10834265. He's got his name and his phone number in his Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> Higdon was better than Mehmet and Dargo. Oh, now, that, it, let, me, it, let me take this first. The first half of that is wrong. And I don't even need to go into why that's wrong. Michael Higdon wasn't better than our Lord and Saviour, Billy Mehmet. Not even close. Don't even need to dignify that one answer. So let's have a nice conversation about how he wasn't as good as Craig Dargan. The The sad part of that is, and because of the way our support tends to be towards players like Higdon, is that that actually is an unpopular opinion. And I think I had said that to the two guys I coached with, Robin and Kevin, like the both at fans as well. And I remember showing them that tweet and he had said like it was unbelievable the amount of stick Higdon got, despite being comfortably the best striker at the club when he was there. And I think it was the season he scored fifteen. We'd have been down with him that season. I think the, the only other source of goals we had were Gareth Wardlaw, Craig Dargo, and Paul McQuaid. So Paul we weren't really, we weren't really winning in the striker department that year. Nah, Higdon was comfortably better than the other two. Sorry, Mark. Right, well, we can leave that to one side. I, I think Higdon was obviously good enough to be the best striker at the club and, and maybe in, in terms of goals and stuff was the best striker at the club. But you look at what he did for Motherwell and, and elsewhere, he's capable of so much more than than we ever got out of him, which I think is the same story with Dargo, to be honest. Well, this is my I was t- so excited when we signed Dargo. This is my time to shine with uh, Craig Dargo. So... This is why Craig Dargo was probably not seen like this, but why he should have been the best player. And it was quite funny because it was actually um, the first press conference I ever went to was the signing of Craig Dargo. And also how I, my hatred from for Gus McPherson started, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Craig Dargo was far too good a player for the squad we had and the tactics we played. The amount of runs I saw that man make that a pass just needed to be made to him and he would have just glided through on goal that either the midfield did not see or were far too Seen. slow to react 
and he would be offside or would just fucking hoof the ball and it was going nowhere near him because of Gus McPherson's absolute diabolical tactics. See Craig Dargo under... Um, did Craig Dargo play under with Danny Lennon? Yeah, one season. It was actually decent, to be fair. See see the season, like, I think it was the second season that Danny Lennon's football properly came out. If we still had Dargo, he would have scored 10, 15 goals that season. (laughs) I know we ended up with a really good squad, but imagine Dargo and Tomo up front together. Yeah, a good thing. Decent. Because it worked with Hasselbank, so. I reckon that would... What was the overlap with Dargo and Higdon? I can't remember. Because <laughs> if you're if you're saying all he needed was a decent target man next to him, we're already yeah. about We're talking about yeah, the season. Higdon scored fifteen. He would have played up front with Dargo. But yeah, yeah. Also, right. also, I'm saying a decent target. I'm also saying a decent tactician behind him as well. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, yeah. it. To be honest, I, I think. I think you're right, Sam. This shouldn't be an unpopular opinion because objectively, Michael Higdon was better than Craig Dargo. But, and and we'll leave it at that. And but, Billy Mehmet. I was busting for you just to say it. I'm not, I'm not happy. Billy Mehmet, he held up. He tried his best. He scored more <laughs> he goals tried, than all the rest. He tried his best. I love that that was his song, man. I love that we had a number nine and his song was he tries his best. <laughs> or, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've seen Billy Mehmet score a goal was also one of his songs. <laughs> I can't believe you're rolling out this back classic and not agreeing with me that he's the best striker on this. You can stick your Dougie Sumner up your ass. <laughs> I don't know. I, I took enough stick for that eh, at the start of lockdown when I was very fond of having 24 beers and the space of two days putting up tweets like John O'Beaker was Superman's best ever number nine and getting DMs off a guy saying that I didn't know who Frank McDougall and Dougie Somner is <laughs> don't, I don't give a fuck either because O'Beaker was better at least O'Beaker now knows Sam that you were his biggest fan I'm terrified to think of what John O'Beaker thinks I am <laughs> uh, that, I wish I had the audio clip like lined up. Maybe I'll edit it in, right? It's edited in now. Yes, Sam is John Obika. I want to say thank you for the support. You know, I'm sure um, I'll be able to see you next season when the fans come back in. But um, no, I heard you're a big fan, so thanks, thanks for that. So there you go, Sam. <laughs> what does what do you think Obika thinks of you? Uh. I, I think he I thinks Sam is a six-year-old boy. <laughs> I, I, I think Mark has walked up to him that day and said, "My wee cousin Sam is six and loves you." And John O'Beaker probably doesn't realise that I am a twenty-two-year-old boy man. Nearly, I think who loved him. Yeah. So to to sum up, Michael Higdon was better than than Craig Dargo. Maybe not quite as good as Billy Mehmet and. Uh, that's an unpopular opinion because the consensus of the podcast is that you're wrong there, Ian, because obviously it goes Mehmet Higdon Dargo. <laughs> okay. Obviously. I guess we'll leave it with that awful opinion of his own from Mark. Um, if you keep an eye out, actually, just to let you know, we have put the classic t-shirts back on our, on our site. You can get the 
uh, Mark Yardley t-shirt and the Barcelona Cup t-shirt. We've decided to put them back up. Uh, no longer limited edition, just buy them when you want. And do you know what the decision I made that? I saw someone at Livingston wearing the Mark Yardley hoodie and I thought more people need to... Uh, it, was a, it was a good sight and I want to see more people wear our stuff at the games. Uh, so they're, they're back up for people to, to buy and they're not going anywhere, so... Did you also think that we maybe needed to win a game at some point before a t-shirt for any of the current squad could get released? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> uh, so keep your eyes out for when we win a game and a t-shirt might be released. Uh, one. <laughs> we have some plans. I'm actually thinking about maybe putting up a poll of the next t-shirt you guys want to see. Possibly between a couple of players or if you want to see another legend one, we'll put a poll up. Uh, find out what you guys want because at the end of the day you guys will be wearing it. Uh, any more for any more? Oh, I'm just still devastated that Mark can't accept that Michael Higdon was better than Billy Mehmet. Well, he's about to be devastated now because, as, as always, fuck Billy Mehmet. <laughs> I'm genuinely shocked. Eh, <laughs> uh, fuck Gus McPherson. Yeah, that was what I was going to say until that point, so thanks for bringing that in, Sam. <laughs> fuck Jamie. Fuck Craft Beer. <laughs> fuck the Lotties. Fuck Michael Higdon. Podcast Network.